fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Tell as old as time. True as it can be. Na, 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 Lacey's the singer of the Did you have a good Valentine's Day? This, oh, future. Yeah. Because we're f- filming this before Valentine's Day. I'm yeah. going to project that I had a great Valentine's That's Day. I hope, I hope everybody had a, a Valentine's Day that is everything they hoped it would be. Whether you're celebrating Galentine's Day, mm-hmm. whether you're celebrating um, Singleness Awareness Day, mm-hmm. whether you're just celebrating, you know, your love of a cup of coffee. Yeah. Hope you had a good one. Hope you didn't get slapped by a bunch of naked men covered in blood running around. Hope you they didn't slap you with a good old piece Whip. of skin. Yeah. In made in out of goat you, skin. In case you have no idea what Lacey's talking about. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to our Cupid episode. And you need to do that anyway, because today's story was inspired by the Cupid and Psyche story. Yes, it was, which we'll explain more of that later. But in case you haven't picked up, but based on the singing. Oh, well, oh right. <laughs> we are going to tell you about Beauty and the Beast today. Yes, we are. It, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes. Well, and Beauty and the Beast apparently is one of the top Disney stories yeah i think like it's that's a lot of people's favorite a lot of people's favorite it's one of the most well-known mm-hmm. it's one of the most like romanticized which is strange which is strange because we're gonna t- we're gonna mm-hmm. unromanticize it for you as we do as we do unintentionally i mean intentionally mm-hmm. but also sorry yeah i'm sorry about it sorry. it's just what we do here it is that's what we do here at scary tales so beauty and the beast released in 1991 classic disney story do you mm-hmm. want to tell us, Di- Lacey's our Disney summary extraordinaire, so you want to tell oh, us a little I'm bit? I'm sure most people know, but I I'll know. just try and do a very do quick, a real quick one. rundown. So there's a prince who's cursed by an enchantress who turns him into the beast, but she also turns all of his servants into furniture, which That's seems what, pretty unfair. Also just a fun little side note there. Just yeah, side note. Not now. necessary to the plot at all. But. Nope. The beast has to find true love before the last petal on this magical rose wilts or he will remain a beast forever. Belle comes in. She's the princess in the story. She's pretty. She's smart. She loves books. Pretty much Hannah Presley. This is me. Minus the princess part, which actually, she's not technically a princess at first. Yeah, at first. She will become the princess, I should say. She lives with her father. Her father gets lost in the woods and stumbles upon the beast's castle. The beast captures him, and Belle trades herself for her father to be put in his place. So Belle's living in the castle. She's making friends with all the furniture. (laughs) And eventually, her and the beast fall in love. But Belle hears that her father is in trouble, and the beast actually lets her go so she can be with him. Meanwhile, Gaston, can I say this? Is the town D-bag? Is that allowed? Sure. Okay. He wants to marry Belle, and 
Uh, so he plans to kill the beast. So him and his homeboys, they come up to the castle. They storm the castle. There's a battle. Gaston dies. The beast almost dies, but is saved by true love from Belle, who has returned to try and save him. And they do this all before the last petal on the rose falls. He turns back into a prince. They live happily ever after. Well done. Finding you can change. <laughs> da, 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 da. This, this episode is, is bound to come with lots of singing. Yes. Just wait um, to the snack bake break. Oh it, yes, that's gonna be my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, well done. That was the quickest. That was the summary. quickest Disney summary ever. You're welcome. We figured most of you have seen it. It uh, Beauty and the Beast being one of the most popular Disney stories, mm-hmm. but we he- are here to tell you about some of the story behind this story. And it's deep. It's interesting. It's yeah. one of the most interesting ones we. I know done. it is kind of cool, and I feel like there's there's probably a lot more you could even you could probably dive even further into mm-hmm. this, but we'll give you a podcast episode scary tales version a scary tales version Mm -hmm. disney's beauty and the beast was inspired by la belle et la bête uh there's going to be a lot of french here full disclosure now i just want to learn french after hearing all these names Mm -hmm. this was written in 1740 by a french novelist madame gabrielle suzanne bardot de villanois that was good i think well i listened to it on google also a couple times i wish our names could have madame in front I know, that's like their Mr. or Mrs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I do like that. This story was over 100 pages long, so it was more of a novel length than just a short story length. Apart from the Disney version, most people probably know the shorter version of this, and then Disney is the most popular version. But the shorter version of this is a tale by Jean-Marie Le Prince de Beaumont, another French person, mm-hmm. in 1757. So not so far removed. First one is 1740. It was a longer novel. 1757 gets the shorter version. And that's the one people most people know. She pared down the list of the characters in Beauty and the Beast, kind of simplified the tale to a classic fairy tale version, which is probably what Disney also pulled from. Mm-hmm. This was all written during a time when women did not have a whole lot of choice in who they married. Have so, you watched Bridgerton? <laughs> yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was it was more of the, you just, you were supposed to marry. It didn't really matter so much how you felt about them. It was marriage was more out of duty, alliance, family hierarchy. So it was more of a social status thing than a love mm-hmm. thing. Because of that, Belle's captivity was kind of more of this metaphor about the way in which women didn't have a choice of who they got married to. Do you think this was a nod to like a feminist story? Or do you think it's a nod to you're going to have to marry somebody that you don't like or that's a possibility and you just need to deal with it? I think it was a little bit of both because I, I've heard I've heard both arguments well like mm-hmm. supported. Which and is then, which is also kind of interesting. And then the me. live action version with Emma Watson, she's obviously a well known femis- feminist. Yes. Oh, and sorry. We're we're getting all the all the texts, all, all the scary tales texts. <laughs> yeah, I think I think both modes have been supported on either side. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll tell you a little bit about some of those. There are lots of differences between Disney's Beauty and the Beast and La Belle et la Bête, which, if you didn't know, in any French means the Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to cover a few of them. So are you ready? I think I have how many? I think I have six for you. Five or six differences. I'm ready. Let's hear it. Okay. Number one. Uh, in the original novella length tale, so the longer one, it's a backstory of both Belle and the Beast. 
and the beast his backstory he was a young prince who lost his father his mother had to go fight for her kingdom so his mother was more of like this warrior type person again feminism Let's go. and that also makes me think of mulan and xena warrior princess the original the original one of this gave me a lot of made me think of a lot of other stories mm-hmm. so but mulan was one of them i thought with his mom because and, she, and she's not in the disney version at all mm-hmm. anyway mom leaves to go off to war the queen left him in care of uh, a fairy who ends up being kind of this evil fairy this seductress she decides that instead of being this mother figure to him she kind of become decide she wants to date him Ooh. yeah so she's left to care for care for him in place of the mother while she's gone but she ends up wanting to marry him when he becomes an adult he doesn't like this so she transforms him into a beast that's his backstory bell's backstory is that and this makes me think of cinderella Mm -hmm. and cupid and psyche and cupid and psyche bell has two sisters they're the daughter of a wealthy merchant at the beginning of the story but he comes into trouble ends up losing all of his wealth and they are forced to live the more modest lifestyle, which is what we see in the Disney version. We don't see the backstory of them being rich. We also, she doesn't have sisters in the right. Disney. They took that out. They were like, we'll give that part to Cinderella. Yeah, they were like, we're going we're gonna to kind of separate this into <laughs> Cinderella versus Beauty and the Beast. The two sisters are not, they're, they're just like the sisters in Cinderella. They are, they don't like Belle. They're jealous. They are materialistic and they are not as attractive as Belle. Because Belle means beauty in French. Which... I don't know. See, I don't know about that, how that fits in the whole feminist agenda. If you're literally only referred to as being beautiful. Right. But Belle is also, she's not only beautiful, she is kind and she loves her father. She is um, smart. She's more interested in books than she is in dresses. She is kind to her father. They've lost all this money and the two sisters are just rude and they are demanding this lavish lifestyle that they used to had, but Belle is kind of trying to help her father and not, not be more of a burden on her or on, mm-hmm. on, on him. Belle's father gets a chance to make more money and kind of restore their status. And so he goes out on this business trip and that's where he runs into the castle, the, the beast. Yeah. A second difference is you rose um, which, uh, of course, just being around Valentine's Day made me think a lot of the fact that we give roses mm-hmm. as gifts. The rose is not magical, um, and it is the cause of Belle's imprisonment. In the original story, Belle asked her father to bring back a rose from his business trip. So he goes off on this business trip. The sister He asked all the, the sisters, are like, bring me back dresses and jewels and diamonds and... Belle says, I'll just take a rose. So she's very sweet, very simple. Mm-hmm. But this is what gets him in trouble. On his way home from the business trip, he gets lost, ends up finding the Beast Castle, similar to the Disney version. He goes into the castle, finds food, warmth, shelter. When he is leaving, he picks a rose from the garden, and this is what makes the Beast angry. So the Beast finds her father, takes him captive, doesn't let him leave because he was trespassing, even though before he willingly, like, let him stay there. You just, you can't take a man's rose. But because he took the rose, mm-hmm. that's what sends him over the edge. And ends up the father becomes a captive of the beast. 
after hearing, you know, the father's like, oh, my children, my daughters are going to be worried about me. Once he hears that the merchant has daughters, the beast agrees to let him go in exchange for one of them. Which is, yeah, kind of nice. Which, yeah, I mean, it's... But also what father's like, okay. (laughs) Right. Well, in one version, so in one version, I heard that the beast said, like sent him home and said, the first person of your family that comes out is who you have to trade me for. And Mm -hmm. the father was like, well, that's going to be Belle because she's the sweet one that runs out to greet me every time. And the beast is like, okay. And then in another version, it was whoever, like one of them can voluntarily exchange themselves for in your place. And of course it's going to be Belle because Mm -hmm. she's the nice one of the family. Also in, in the original story, the uh, merchant has six children Mm. in the Disney one. It's only Belle. Yeah. So there's no other choice. Third difference, and I think this is my favorite one, um, or just uh, one I thought was the most interesting, is that there's no Gaston in the original. Or LeFou. Or LeFou. Uh, it's the sisters that are the villains of the story. Mm-hmm. Disney just gives you Gaston as romantic rivalries. Right, we need with a the love triangle. Yeah, they give you, is this the first love triangle? <gasps> Could be. Because that is a classic story plot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the original, there was no love triangle. There was no Gaston. There was only the evil sisters. They weren't even stepsisters. They were actually just your regular sisters. Mm-hmm. And they were jealous of her beauty, jealous of her just approach to life, how kind and nice and loving she was and how everyone loved her because of that. They actually tried to get her like eaten or attacked or killed by the beast. Which is similar to Cupid and Psyche. Right. Where they like... Where the sisters kind of try to mm-hmm. manipulate her and say, oh, you're you're marrying a beast. Like, you should do this. And their their advice would have led to her getting killed. Mm-hmm. Fourth difference, which is maybe the, the sad one. There's no magical furniture. There's no singing inanimate objects. No singing candlesticks or motherly teapots. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. And when that's gone from the story, you realize... What a great addition it was. I know. You know, a little bit of some uh, comic relief there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not all a weird, twisted love triangle family problems. In the original story, Belle lives completely alone with the beast, totally isolated from the outside world. Um, His servants have been cursed and turned into statues, not into charming singing and dancing characters there's just a bunch of that castle is just full of statues right which would honestly would be even worse than just the the servants leaving because now you can see all these like physical representations of people Mm -hmm. that you literally can't talk to makes it creepier it does however there were some of the and this makes me think of snow white there were some of the sing the birds there were monkeys in the original Right. I don't, they're not living in like Asia. Like no, I don't know. Yeah, I'm imagining this was set in France. I don't know where the monkeys came from. When I from. went to France, there weren't a bunch of just monkeys running around. Yeah, and maybe that's why Disney was like, well, there were a bunch of pigeons. Disney was probably like, we'll save the birds for Snow White. Mm-hmm. We'll save the sisters for Cinderella. And save the monkey for Aladdin. Save the monkeys for Aladdin. We're or gonna Jungle give. Book. What can we give? Belle. We'll give her furniture. Furniture sounds which good. Could also be oh, again. Could also be a commentary on marriage back then that right. she was friends with all the furniture and the 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 worldly kitchen, like, the kitchen items uh-huh. and the clothing items and stuff mm-hmm. like that 
don't know. Probably. Could be a little bit of symbolism for you there. Fifth difference. Belle does not fall in love with the Beast overnight. Yeah, because in the Disney movie, she pretty... At first, she's kind of scared of him, but pretty instantly, they form a bond. Yeah, and in the original, it's more like a like friendly bond. Like I think that Disney makes it seem like they just like fall in love overnight after they eat eat a meal together and read a book together. Mm-hmm. In the original story, it's much more slow. It's much more re- more realistic. Um, the Beast asks Belle to marry him. Like a lot, like not just once. Like every night. Like almost every night, yeah. It's like, dang, it didn't work last because night. Because remember, he's to... trying to break a spell, and she uh-huh. doesn't know about this spell. But she keeps denying him. She friend zones him. She is like, I think at one point she even tells him, like, I just view you more as a friend. Mm-hmm. It's the first example of friend zoning. We yeah. Have. First love triangle, first friend zoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She doesn't, she's not interested. She eventually, when she goes... I think it's when she goes off to like, she goes to see her father because he gets sick or she has to go help him. I can't even mm-hmm. remember why in the original version, but when she's gone, she has a dream. And in her dream, there's a handsome prince that's going to be the beast in true form that tells her, Oh, you like, you need to accept the, you need to accept his proposal. He says, quote, judge not by thine eyes and above all abandon me not but release me from the terrible torment which I endure. That's what he says in her dream? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, she doesn't really get it. She remains in love with the man in her dreams. She doesn't understand that that's the beast. So that was the other part that like, I think some, some of the feminist critics had issues with is that she immediately falls in love with the handsome guy in her dreams, um. but doesn't fall in love with the beast in front of her. And she doesn't accept the beast until the man in her dreams says, oh, you should accept the beast. And then she's eventually like, okay, let me listen to you, beautiful, attractive man in my dreams. Mm, I can see that. So it's a little, a little problematic. And last difference. Uh, when the beast does allow Belle to go visit her family, like I was saying before, she there's a time when she's asked to leave the castle. And, and uh, this also made me think of Snow White because she sees her father in the mirror mm-hmm. and she sees that he's like distressed. And so she goes back to her family to, to take care of him. And the sisters are the ones that trick her into staying there. Cause the beast says, I'll let you go. But if you, if you are gone too long, like I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And so then she's conflicted. Do I take care of my father? Do I take care of him? She goes home. The sisters trick her into staying there longer because again, the sisters don't like her and they don't like that. She's got this, big fancy castle and all these nice things and they trick her into trying to get I don't know something bad for her to happen because they were jealous they hope that the beast will be upset with her and either die before she gets back or like kill her for not returning on time but she has this dream or nightmare where she sees the beast dying she realizes that This is the dream where she finally realizes that she loves him despite his appearance. She returns, finds that he, she finds him collapsed. In some versions, he starved starved himself because she didn't return, which feels really dramatic. Mm -hmm. In other versions, it's the... He's depressed. You don't want to eat it when you're depressed. In the other versions, it's the curse that, you know. Yeah. But, and then this was a part I liked. She eventually confesses her love. The spell's broken. 
the beast returns to his human form and they live happily ever after. But in one version I read, the way she like revives him from his, I don't know what slumber. You, yeah, from his slumber where he's like not dead, but could be dead. He's kind of like comatose, like, we'll yeah. say. She doesn't go for the kiss like all the princes do when they find a deceased or mm. comatose lady lady uh she goes and gets a bucket of water from the river and dumps it on his face and when he's women are practical and then when he wakes up she's like hey I, I let's get married yeah let's do this but i love that mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't go in for the kiss goes in for the bucket well, of, at that point he's still bucket yeah scary looking yeah he is still the beast mm-hmm. but goes for the bucket of cold water there you go which i like mm-hmm. those are some differences so there you have it so i think overall pretty similar yeah, with the addition and subtraction of a few characters, and it, and I guess it makes sense why Disney would add and subtract certain things because, like us, like we said, we think they were trying to compartmentalize some of those story overlaps. Historically, we did some research and think we found some things that maybe inspired the original author, the Gabrielle Suzanne Bardot de Villanois, that may have inspired her version of the story with some actual real events and i'm about to pass this off to Lacey because it involves some science science. but in the 1500s there was a man named petrus gonsalves gonsalves um he was born in spain and he had a rare genetic condition called hypertrichosis she says that so easily or also known as werewolf syndrome Mm -hmm. so science lady do you want to tell us a little bit about what hypertrichosis is? I sure will. Hypertrichosis comes in many forms, but regardless of the type, it's really infrequent. But it's basically where there's hair all over the body. In, different, in the different types or the different levels of severity in which the hair grows. But only about 50 cases of hypertrichosis are known according to this dermatological institute. So super, super rare. And that makes sense. Uh, it's, um, makes sense. Werewolf syndrome. Mm-hmm. You've got this excess amount of hair. Could look like fur. Could make you look like a bestial animal right. type of figure. So this is just a fun fact that I found. That's I was telling Aspen about this, who just had a baby. So she was just absolutely appalled. But 17 babies in Spain were afflicted with the ailment. In Spain's where this guy was from. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, I didn't even put that together. That's yeah. odd. So he where, could have been one of these cases potentially oh no this was oh, oh was this, <laughs> this more was recent? like modern medicine oh yeah yeah right oh this yeah that, that's why it makes it even crazy this pharmaceutical company mixed up these medications one was kind of this rogaine medication with this ingredient that makes hair grow they mixed it up with this medicine that was supposed to be given to babies for heartburn and so there were 17 babies that grew all of this hair because they were and being grew- given Rogaine instead of heartburn medicine. Correct. But they were given so much of it that they essentially looked like they had this syndrome. And the obviously the company had to stop. The, Spain didn't allow them to uh, continue manufacturing medications. But the babies were able to recover, I guess, because they didn't actually have the syndrome. They were just given this medication. And once they once stopped the, the medicine. Right. But isn't that, you just have your baby and all of a sudden it just grows hair all over its body? Yeah, that would be terrifying. Anyway, fun fact. Also, uh, yeah, I, I was connecting in my mind like, oh, maybe this is why this guy in the 1500s had it. But this he just ha- 
was one of the super rare just cases of you where you have it. Mm-hmm. It's not a medical mix-up, but you just have it. Right. Yikes. So Petrus, Petrus Gonsalves, Gonsalves, um, in his case, his entire body was covered with hair. Again, not from a medical mix-up, just straight from genetics. genetics. He was treated poorly because it was so rare, because it was so unique. He was treated more like a wild animal than a human because honestly he looked like an animal most animals are covered in fur right and they just because this is so rare and he was one of the first kind of cases of this they didn't really know how to treat him so he was given raw meat and animal food a lot of times rather than human food he was put in iron cages he was actually sold by his family to or either sold or gifted different versions to the royal family, Henry II of France, and kind of treated as this, I don't know, entertainment. Mm-hmm. I keep picturing The Greatest Showman, where people right. would like pay to come see these oddities. Mm-hmm. He probably had, the king probably had other oddity, oddities, uh, yeah. like the, bearded women and yeah. things like that. Um, Henry II, however, discovered that Petrus was a quiet, calm yeah, yeah, human underneath all this fur and that he would, he kind of decided that he was going to transform them into this true gentleman. So everybody up until this point in his life had treated Petrus as an animal. He knew the second decides, no, I'm going to, it's kind of like an experiment. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's not, I think, I don't know. Anytime it's royalty, I'm like, what's your ulterior motive here? Mm-hmm. In the royal court, they taught him how to speak, read, write in three different languages, not just one. His social status increased because... Yeah, he, he was probably higher up rank than most people oh, yeah. in the royal court. Oh, yeah. I mean, just because of his rarity, his specialty, and then now he's like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. The king allowed him to keep his birth name, Pedro Gonzalez, which is the Spanish version, but he... Only only if he used the Latin form. They gave him clothes and they cooked meals for him, so no more animal food. He was taught to speak, read, and, read and write. He received this education as if he were a nobleman. Um, Which is better than he would have gotten in the outside world, but still they're like, they see you as a lesser. Yeah, being. I mean, and it's this, he's getting this kind of special treatment, good and bad for his for his uh, genetic condition. But he at least was, you know, treated well, but still kind of viewed as less than human. It was this weird kind of paradox. The real Beauty and the Beast um, came after Gonzalez or Petrus, his mentor and protector of King Henry II, was killed in a jousting match. So eventually his kind of mentor type figure was killed in a jousting match. which And, and his protector, really. Yeah, because ro- royalty would have done this. They... If you've ever seen A Knight's Tale, royalty liked to participate in these games, even though there was a risk of a cost, because they wanted to be viewed as normal. So they would participate in normal activities that everyone else could do, just like the king here was trying to give uh, Petrus a more of a normal life. But because his protector died, he ca- he became a property of the king's widow, and she became the ruler and decided she was going to do her own kind of experiments with. She was also, it it was Catherine de Medici, and she was known for, like, not only doing this to him, but she was, we could do a whole episode on her. She was probably good. Crazy girl. Um, She 
was curious about whether or not what would happen if her beast married a quote unquote beast married a beautiful woman and what their children would look like. Uh, so she found a wife for him, a young maiden also named Catherine, who was a daughter of a royal court servant. So she matched matched him up. And Petrus Gonzalez met his wife Catherine for the first time on their wedding day. So married at first sight. Can you imagine her just walking down the aisle and she sees? I, no, I mean that would be terrifying. Yeah, if you one one just getting married to someone you've never seen before. Right, but then two. This, there wasn't a lot of science back then. You no. don't realize that this is a genetic condition. No. You think you're walking down the aisle to like... You have no idea. yeti-looking Yeah, you have man. no idea. They did get married. They had seven children. And four of the seven had the same condition of the father. Which so, is interesting because today and day, today's time, only like 50 people in the world are known with it. So I guess they don't procreate because it seems like a pretty strong Four gene. of seven, that's... Yeah over half right yeah and i wonder if that that probably did have something to do with it that i imagine i guess that that they people with that condition maybe didn't procreate as much in terms of i don't know if passing on that gene yeah which this but all this made the the king's widow made Catherine the queen very excited she was delighted because she yeah she succeeded in her experiment that she had this quote-unquote wild family uh, then he, uh, Petrus and his family, they toured Europe. They were part of a type of tour where people could come see them and their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eventually settled down in Italy where they become now employed, Reed, that is owned, mm-hmm. by uh, the Duke, uh, Duke Ranuccio Farnese. You're doing great at pronouncing these names I, today. I, I really want to learn French and Italian now. The Duke commissioned several paintings of the family, which again, sounds like a very noble royal thing, but it's also like, let me document that I've owned these wild people. Mm-hmm. But none of them featured the three unaffected children. So yeah, so right. They're just taking pictures. Right. Doing the pictures. It's not a portrait of your family. Them. It's a, yeah, it's a picture of your weird, the weird side of your family, the unusual side of your family. Unfortunately, four of this, the four of the seven children that had this condition were exploited by the duke beyond just the painting they were sent away as gifts they were more like pets to the upper class which just like creeps me out Mm -hmm. again it was kind of noble and cool for them to own for a noble family to own like one of these oddities as if it's like a a weird painting or something Mm -hmm. in italy in 1594 a scientist and physician um ulissi aldrovandi aldrovandi I didn't know Sounds that Sounds good one. to me. He was visiting a wealthy friend of his where... In Bologna. Is that what that says? <laughs> in Bologna. Yeah. <laughs> where he met Petrus Gonzalves's daughter, um, Antoinetta. Mm-hmm. So this is one who had... This is one of his daughters who had... Hypertrichosis. Hypertrichosis. This physician, the scientist, was fascinated with her, ended up included... And he ended up including woodcuts and descriptions of the girl in all of his work about the human deformity. So she's kind of the like scientific scientific study. Yes. But it doesn't seem like, like he just wrote about her and described her. It doesn't seem like he actually like experimented on her. Yeah, Just some research. Just some research. Yeah. Uh, Petrus and Catherine were married for more than 40 years. Good for them. 
Uh, Catherine passed away in 1623 and then Petrus several years prior. No record of his death. The the assumption is that maybe he wasn't even considered human worthy enough to have a death certificate and burial. So I'm going to hope that that's not the case. It probably was. But it probably was. He was last mentioned in the year 1617 at the christening of his grandson. And then so they think he passed away around sometime around 1618. And the stories, the family story spread throughout the whole region, eventually became what we think is the inspiration for one of the most popular love stories. Known as? Known as? La Belle, la belle et, la et la Bête. Yep, the beauty and the beast. Didn't you love, that was a good one. It is a good one. I mean, it still is sad. But it does make me kind of think of, you know, in The Greatest Showman where they exploited people for their unique features. But at least he but at least had a relationship yeah. where he wouldn't have otherwise. And they seem pretty happy 40 I years. Was, I was about to say, uh, it does make me want to dig more into their relationship and see, like, okay, 40 years. 40 years, seven kids. Christening of grandkids. And you traveled the, I mean, mm-hmm. even if you traveled the country for, you know uncomfortable reasons like you traveled the world yeah i don't know you're just trying to I'm see gonna, the brighter I'm just, side I, I am i really am i'm gonna try to pretend like there was some good in there yeah um would you like to be my guest to my snack break <laughs> yes will you sing some of the we we look we were singing this earlier all of the there's lots of food songs that we can sing yes so, so let's just head on over and we'll see where it takes us i love it be i'll be your guest be a guest, be a guest, put your service to the test. Tie your neck and round your neck, Cherie, and we'll provide the rest. Seeing seeing the food one that we were the food verse that we were laughing at earlier, I do not remember the the food. Beef Bar- ragu, cheese souffle, pie and pudding, and flambe. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Today on Snack Break, we have a special thing because we went with I a made recipe. Uh-huh, yeah, I made today's Snack Break, and uh, I was inspired because you can get this in Disney World. Yes, and I wish y'all could see this. It, Lacey has it, outdone herself. There's a part of the song that says, "Try the gray stuff; it's delicious." And he has a plate of, like, gray stuff in the movie. In Disney World, it's this delicious chocolate thing. Gray stuff. It's just gray stuff. And that's what I made, and that's today's snack break. But I will tell you, you can make your own. Would you like to know how? Yes. You combine... Because three... gray, gray stuff is kind of vague. Right. You just go out in your you yard, just, get it, the gray yeah. stuff, put it yeah. with some sugar, and there you go. Yeah. No, actually, recipe. you combine 3.4 ounces of vanilla pudding mix, one and a half cups of milk... 15 Oreos, you know, crushed up, blended, eight ounces of Cool Whip, and two tablespoons of chocolate pudding mix. And I, just for a little flair, because... I wish y'all could see it. It looks... She walked in here, not just with with a bowl of gray stuff. It Mm -hmm. is in... Chip. Chip, the little, you know, the cup. cup. The Uh teacup, where his... The handle is his nose. She's got Disney spoons. And two Oreos. presentation 10 out of 10 you're welcome before we even try the before you even taste test the presentation 
is a 10 out of 10. What I want you to do is get the Oreo, get you a big old glob. Okay, your glob's about to drip. Oh, okay. Get you a big old glob. Okay, yeah, because she's got the top. Oreos. There you go. Okay. Also, if you ate that entire cup of gray stuff, you would just instantly it is a have lot. diabetes. Yeah, it, it does and look then, like a lot. And then, one, two. Oh, cheers. cheers. ASMR. Mmm. <laughs> Mm. That's 10 out of 10. I hate to say it, but chef's kiss. It is very good. It is very sweet. Mm -hmm. But it is like a... You're, you're, getting, you're hearing the crunch from the Oreo because mm -hmm. we dipped the Oreo. We added that. Yeah. Just some flair. Into the, the gray stuff pudding. But, but you've had a bite without... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just had a bite without the cookie. Mm. Still a 10 out of 10. But that is very good. That was good. Well done, Chef. That was delicious. I would recommend. Mm. The, the gray stuff is delicious. So if you make it, we'll post a picture of our gray stuff on Instagram. If you make it, send us a picture. Tell us if you liked it. That is so good. Just look up um, gray stuff recipe online. Or go to Disney World. We should go to Disney World. I'm done. Get the real stuff. Get the real stuff. I'm going to give today's snack break a 10 out of 10 because I made it and it's delicious. I will also give it a 10 out of 10. There you go. Right up Present there with unicorn. If you did the unicorn was... cake in that. I think I would just die. Mm -hmm. Presentation. But presentation, 10 out of 10. This has been the best presentation of all of our snacks so far. Mm -hmm. Taste is also 10 out of 10 though. Good job. Uh, did you hear that weird noise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got the gurgle. Um... Today's true crime is probably the worst true crime so far. Oh, gosh. So that's, go ahead, get you lot. one more lick of the gray stuff, and then we'll head to the dark side. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And we're back here to tell a true crime story, and it's gonna make you lose some sleep. And <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know if there are any original songs from the soundtrack that you could sing that go along with this part of the story. So Lacey just made her own up. Yes, I did. Um, I'm all jazzed up from the gray stuff. Yeah, it does it's give you a little bit system. of a little I'm bit of a sugar rush. When this happens, I mispronounce everything. I. I thought I just felt the cat on my leg. See, I'm hallucinating. Off to a good start. Also, so, the picture that you have, because we, you know, Lacey and I have a shared document of notes that we will look at. And um, thanks for this picture. You're welcome. It just leaves like, what is this? What? Where are we going today? I'm about to tell you today, we are discussing the kidnapping of Colleen Stan, also known as the girl in the box. And that's the picture she has. Right. A girl in a box and so were you wondering how's Lacey gonna tie in today's true crime to Beauty and the Beast I actually was because I, I always I always question that and, but especially today and you always you never disappoint yes I have fun doing that saying had, what part of the story can I tie into the true crime well I think most people know that Beauty and the Beast is a tale of not only love and romance and happily ever after, but it's also a tale of the um, a well-known syndrome called Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. 
which is Stockholm syndrome is a condition where hostages develop a psychological bond with their captors. And this makes sense because in Beauty and the Beast, there is the element of captivity Mm -hmm. where he is forcing Belle to stay with him. Right. But then there also is that element of kindness where he takes care of her sometimes and helps her mm-hmm. but she, she comes, can't leave she comes back eventually he even. lets her go and then she comes back and right so that does make sense so today we are i looked up again my google searches don't don't come at me fbi i just i'm doing a podcast it's a thing i looked up most famous cases of stockholm syndrome and there are many so maybe yeah, in other episodes we could discuss some more yeah we could maybe we could do a patreon episode of where we just talk about some of the most famous because mm-hmm. there are shockingly a lot. a lot a lot a lot a lot which makes me sad but today we this is to me this is the creepiest scariest one okay. so you looked at the list and chose the creepiest one mm-hmm. i did i did want to know why is it called stockholm syndrome yeah and the case which gave the syndrome, its name, actually happened in Stockholm, Sweden, and it was a highly publicized hostage situation. So in 1973, two escaped convicts went into a bank in Stockholm, Sweden, and they took four employees hostage. Things didn't go go to plan, and there ended up being a six-day standoff between them and the police. But during that six days, a lot of strange things happened. On the second day, the hostages were on a first-name basis with their captors, and when the police would try to help them, the hostages—I can't say that word—hot Host- dogs. The hot, hot dogs were <laughs> hostages. The, yeah, the hostages were hostile to the police who came to check on them. Eventually, mm. police were able to pump tear gas into the vault that the hostages and the captors were sitting in, allowing them to escape. But as they left, they hugged their captors on the way out, and they were, like, guarding his body so he wouldn't be shot by the police. I just got chills. Mm -hmm. Ew. And while he was on trial, the hostages banded together to collect money for his defense team. And one of the ladies that was a hostage even became engaged to one of the captors. So... That's a really short story because that's not even the story we're talking about today. But, but that is where, so it was named after the kind of first famous situation mm-hmm. where this happened in Stockholm. And it's not a, it's not in the DSM. What are, what DSM are we on? The mm-hmm. diagnostic tool, I think five or something. I don't know. It's not in there as an actual scientific diagnosis, but it is a really well-known thing. It doesn't happen in a lot of kidnapping cases or hostage situations, but it is, it does happen. I could see why it would, like, it's, it's a psychological, like, coping mechanism Mm -hmm. of you're in a bad situation. The only way I know how to cope is to try to make this a good situation. And so it's like just the ultimate trying to see the good in the situation so they well, probably manipulation try to see the good. can yeah. do a crazy thing yeah. to your mind like we, abuse does yeah. things to the mind that are above explanation yeah so. and your 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 attempts to cope with that abuse also we do, do bizarre things mm-hmm. we talked about this earlier do you think you would fall victim to stockholm syndrome no one no one could say but i would like to think no i think i would you, yeah. I think I'm I'm like I try to just you would, I try 100%. to see the good in everything just like to a fault and I think I would try really hard to be like there's some good qualities in you let mm-hmm. me bring that out in you and I, I think you that would are because Hannah's partly aren't you a partly a nine on the Enneagram I am and I'm a six which means we we don't trust anyone ever yeah. so I'm gonna say a hard no for and me I, I try to just like meet everyone in the middle and, right you yeah. sure do 
Now, one of the things about Stockholm syndrome to me that's interesting is because most of these cases that I looked up on Google, the person had a chance to escape or they've been around police in a situation where they could say, hey, I'm kidnapped, help me. And they choose not to because hmm. the form of abuse just really in the state that they're in at that up. time. Yeah. Yikes. This all brings us to the story of Colleen Stan, which again, I said is the most terrifying, craziest story that involves Stockholm syndrome that I could find. So are you ready for the girl in the box? I am. I, don't, I just hate that title. Mm-hmm. On May 19th, 1977, 20-year-old Colleen Stan decided that she wanted to travel from her home in Oregon to visit a friend who was having a party in Northern California. Sadly, Colleen's car was on the brink of dying at this point, so she didn't want to risk driving it all the way to Northern California. But that's okay because her roommates, Alice and Bob, drove her to the freeway where Colleen planned to hitchhike. Thanks, Alice and Bob. <laughs> well, the thing is, in the 70s, people that wasn't, loved yeah, to hitchhike. That wasn't super abnormal. Yeah. Like and, today, if you asked me to go drop you off by the by 280 and let you hitchhike, I would that, like that would be weird. Mm-hmm. Colleen hitchhiked all the time though like she was a frequent hitchhiker so this was no big deal so they drove her up they dropped her off and colleen was able to hitchhike and by means of several truck drivers she made it all the way to red bluff california and she still had a little ways to go so she's still you know sat back on the side of the road stuck her finger out and needed to get a little farther I watched an interview where she said a van of about five guys attempted to pick her up and she turned them down because like the ban of five yeah, guys. Five to one, one not female. a good ratio. Yeah. So when a blue car pulls up and inside there's a man, a woman, and a baby, this makes Colleen feel comfortable because like, oh, cute, yeah, a, cute little old family. So she gets in the car with them. She probably should have gone with the five guys in the van. Right. The hindsight is a doozy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people inside the car were Cameron Hooker, who was 23. And his wife, 19-year-old Janice Hooker. So not that much different in age from her because she's 20 years old. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Little backstory on these two. The neighbors of Cameron and Janice later said that they seem normal, kept to themselves. Of course, that's, I feel like, status quo for these type situations. Well, well and that's always hindsight's 2020. Normal. They seemed so normal. Cameron was this tall, gangly-looking guy. He worked as a mill worker. He wore these big old, honestly, Jeffrey Dahmer-looking glasses. And Janice was a very slim, also gangly-looking, long brown hair, also worked glasses. So I'm just... So maybe physically didn't look like somebody that was going to... Right. They seemed unassuming. So she gets in the car with him, like I said. And about five to ten minutes down the road, they stop at a gas station where Colleen goes inside to use the bathroom. And I was watching the interview with her, and she said while she was in the bathroom, she got this overwhelming sense that she needed to open up the window and run to the point that she even heard voices telling her, get out of here, do not get back in the car with them. So what does she do? I just got chills again. She gets back in the car with them. (laughs) Because she's got to, that party's going to be popping, you know what I'm saying? Uh, We got to get there. About 20 minutes later down the road, Cameron asked Colleen if she minded if they stopped to look at some ice caves, which I imagine that's like Ruby Falls or DeSoto Caverns here in Alabama. And Colleen was like, sure, as long as it doesn't take that long, whatever, she's an easygoing gal. Cameron veered off the road to a remote area, and instead of going seeing these ice caves, this is when he pulls out a knife, Mm. holds it to her neck, and forces her head into this wooden box. And this isn't even the box that the story gets its name from. This is a 
20 pound box that has a hole in the bottom and the top is hinged so it can open and close but your head can go in it and the inside of it is insulated with carpet so to muffle any screaming that you would do the inside the box is really hot you can't hear anything you can't see anything kind of like a sense deprivation type situation so i imagine at this point colleen's like oh yeah what the heck what what the heck they it's so funny because i refer to them as the hookers because that's their name but it sounds like i'm talking about a (laughs) sex worker anyways the hookers drive back home to their home in red bluff where they bring colleen down to their basement she's immediately chained up by her wrist to the ceiling and as she is hanging there cameron and janice start having relations below her that's how i'll say that Mm -hmm. they like get off on that and when they finish that cameron unhooks colleen from the ceiling and places her in this crate thing and puts the box back on her head so i imagine at this time colleen is like i i made the wrong choice i will never hitchhike again if i get out of this situation every single day as you can imagine colleen was tortured into submission he tied her to the ceiling every day via her wrist and he didn't he he whipped her the first night she got there but then the torture also turned into burning her beating her electrocuting her and and if you think janice was innocent in all of this janice was not she she would bite colleen on her sides oh just imagine God. being strung up naked by your wrist and then you can't see anything because your head's in a freaking box and you just feel teeth like biting uh-uh. in you what we come to find out later about janice and um cameron's relationship janice was an insecure 15 year old girl when she met cameron she was suffering from epilepsy and just kind of seen as like the oddball so she didn't have a lot of friends and her parents were extremely strict and didn't let her date anyone but cameron as we see later is a just fantastic manipulator mm-hmm. so he's able to give convince janice's parents to go on a date with them so janice is going to be his first victim and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that, correct hannah yeah. right that's where we're going on their first date cameron undresses janice and ties her to a tree he and Jan- Jan- Janice, having never dated anybody, is probably like, like, is this, this is, what, is this this what is dating it. is? This is this is, is it. Is this what is this what is supposed to happen in a relationship? Right. So she had no frame of reference. So she was just happy to finally have like a friend and a dating partner. I don't know, regardless if she's being tied to a tree or not. They eventually get married, and Janice is actually Cameron's first sex slave. Yeah. So <laughs> she gets tired of becoming his sex slave eventually. And comes up with this plan or agreement where she tells Cameron, like, just let me have a baby and you can have a sex slave. Like, fair trade. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get something to take care of and you get somebody else. Mm -hmm. But part of the agreement, which makes no sense, was Cameron could not have sex with the sex slave. But the title of the person would be a sex slave. So that just how that That works out, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. So that's a little backstory on, on how... We, the idea formed to get to Colleen Colleen. and yeah, Colleen's parents eventually do report her missing and file a police report. But I mean, they just hitchhiking. Anybody can get you off the side of the road. Yeah. And if that was normal for her to, for her to hitchhike, it's like, where do you start? Mm -hmm. I don't know where you would start that search. No, no clues. No, nothing. The police have nothing to go on. 
So for the first three months of her captivity, Colleen was kept in a coffin-like box and never let out of the basement. So you had the head box and then you had, they literally built her like a coffin she would sleep in. Every night, Cameron would come downstairs to bring her something to eat or drink. She had to use a bedpan. Because you can't let her out to go to the bathroom because she can't run away. And then he would abuse her, hang her up and abuse her. Nearly nine months into her captivity, Cameron gets an idea, and that is the idea of a slave contract. So in this slave contract, Colleen would be referred to as Kay, and she had to address Cameron and Janice as master and ma'am. Don't like that. She had to wear a collar. Nope. And Cameron also, and this is the, the biggest part of the slave contract, he convinced her that he was a member of this thing called the company, which was a powerful organization, sex slave trade situation that basically had an eye on her at all times and so would like kill a her. Big brother type mm-hmm. of thing. Would kill her if she tried to escape, call her parents, do anything. And he so ingrained this into her mind. This is where the Stockholm syndrome comes in mm-hmm. that she didn't want to die. She didn't want the company to hurt her family. So in in January 1978, she agrees and signs the contract with this company that doesn't exist correct he also tells colleen that janice used to be his slave and he married her to keep her from being executed by the company once colleen signed the contract she was allowed to come upstairs to cook and clean etc which doesn't sound that fun but i assume that's better than that's better than sleeping in a a coffin in Mm -hmm. the basement and it wasn't even sleeping she was just spending like well yeah 24 hours a day down there living in the coffin the torture continued upstairs. In an interview I was watching, she said anytime Cameron yelled attention, she would have to strip naked and then hold her hands above her head while he whipped her. One day, to test Cameron's loyalty, Janice tells Cameron that he can have sex with Colleen, thinking that he wouldn't do it. He loves her so much. He's a great guy. But um, guess what? He did it. So he, he so takes now- that opportunity and he rapes Colleen. And Colleen said that the first time this happened, she heard Janice run away and throw up. Because Janice didn't think that he was going to. Right. And this, Janice already didn't like Colleen, but this turned into like just pure hatred for Colleen. So they didn't have a good relationship. She didn't have a friend in Janice. Colleen said that she was being raped at least once a month, which is surprising to me. I would think he would just be doing that every single day. Yeah. Eventually, for whatever reason, the hookers had to move out of their home, and they had to move into a mobile home. Uh, I don't know. Maybe because your neighbors were getting a little, like, Like suspicious. Suspect? Yeah. The problem with a mobile home is it doesn't have a basement. So what they did is they put this coffin box that he had built under their waterbed. So now, for 23 hours a day, Colleen is kept in a wooden box under a waterbed. She Ew. said that in the summer times, the, the temperature inside the box would be over 100 degrees. Well, yeah, because that waterbed is just like yeah, a, a heating pad mm-hmm. like over the box. Right. Even at one point, the Janice had her second child on top of the waterbed while Colleen was inside the box underneath. Ew. Just, Mm-mm. do you see what I mean? This yeah. is the absolute worst yeah. situation. I would rather be killed. Yeah. As well as making the 20-pound wooden box that we talked about that went over her head, Cameron considered himself an inventor of sorts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. He made torture devices for Colleen. One 
which was this rack that she would lay on and it would stretch her body, which I've heard of that before, like in yeah. medieval times, yeah. people doing that. But he did this so much that she he actually inflicted chronic damage. Like she still has back problems, neck problems, everything from being stretched on this rack. I will say the only positive thing about this is that you keep referring to her as in like, like she gets out of this mm-hmm. because you've mentioned interviews. That's mm-hmm. that's the little glimmer of hope I'm trying to hang on to. Right. Two years into her captivity, Colleen was let outside to work in the garden or go on jogs. So like I said earlier, these Stockholm syndrome, these people have the chance to get away. She was going on jogs in the neighborhood unsupervised and she still came back home every night. Then Christmas that year, as a Christmas gift, Cameron decides to allow Colleen to call her family. So he takes her to this payphone, and he's standing right outside the booth and says, you know, if you say anything that gives anything away, I'm going to kill you. So she calls her family. They were very happy to hear from her, but she was super vague. She didn't tell them where she was. She just said, I'm okay. And then before she's finished talking, Cameron's like, okay, the call's over and click. Then in March of 1881, Cameron tells Colleen that, you know, the company... That good old company, they have decided that you can go visit your family. See, and that's the psychological manipulation that he's letting mm-hmm. her do things as like a treat. A treat, which is not a treat. It's no. Just basic human decency. But, but after two years, you've been tricked into being thinking, terrified of yeah, them. Right? Yeah. He told Colleen to tell her family that he is her fiance. And he tells her that the family's home, again, is under the supervision of the company, and they will kill her if she messes up at all. So he goes, and he's with Colleen in his family's home. And I just want you to scroll down. I saw that Because Colleen stayed for about 24 hours. And when she was leaving, Colleen's stepmom said, well, let me take a picture of you guys. And And this is a picture, and we'll post it on Instagram. She, Do you want to describe that picture? I mean... They 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 look pleasant with each other. She's got her arms like wrapped around his shoulders. He's got a huge smile on his face. She's smiling. She's got a huge smile on her face. She's got her head like nestled into the little like nook of his shoulder. And I would not have looked at that and thought anything suspicious. Right. So if I was her family, I, uh-huh. I mean, I wouldn't and have questioned also, that. Also, she looks like she's about 13 in that picture. She does look young, but but they weren't that far apart in age, right? He was right. 23 and she was, she was 20. 20. Mm-hmm. So they weren't that far apart in age, but she right. does look so the def- younger than her age and he looks older. The defense later on in the trial is going to bring this picture up, so just keep that in mind. Okay. Once First Col- glance, I wouldn't have thought anything weird about this picture. Mm-hmm. Once Colleen returns back to Cameron's, her privileges are completely stripped away. So it's kind of this thing of abusing her, then letting her have like a little quote unquote treat and be nice to her and then taking it all away again, just to prove that he's in control. So for the next three years, she would spend most of her time inside the box under the waterbed. In 1984, seven years after her, she has been doing this for seven years. I was just trying to do the math. Colleen is finally able to convince Cameron to allow her to have a job outside of the home to help support the family. So she gets a job at a motel cleaning rooms, and she is just happy as could be because she's out of that freaking box. But can you imagine you go to work every day at this motel, and then you return home, and, and at the, the end of the day, box. you get in the box? Yeah. That's horrible. It's around this time that Cameron attempts to convince Janice that they need another sex they, slave. That they need a new girl. Mm-hmm. 
well, this is just over the edge. For this is the last straw for Janice. Janice is like, where are we going to put them? Mm-hmm. We don't have enough space because they've got two kids, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, two kids. Well, also she's just hurt. Like, well, she, yeah, she's like, you need another one, right? So this kind of softens her heart towards Colleen, and they form. I don't want to say a friendship, but they they a have connection. this yeah this odd relationship that's actually working against Cameron Hooker. And on August 9th, 1984, Janice goes to church and she visits her pastor and confesses everything to him. And he's like, well, Janice, it's not really good. You, yeah. you need to get out of there. Yeah. Imagine this pastor has people coming and being like, I've thought impure thoughts or I've, mm-hmm. you know, kept a secret from my husband. And then Janice comes in and is like, we're keeping a girl locked in the box <laughs> underneath our That's bed. That's not funny, but it's like... I, imagine I, the, the, I can't imagine what the pastor would be like. I imagine he also just thought she was crazy. Like, probably. Yeah. 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 yeah Janice. Yeah. Okay. Repent. Right. Yeah. So Janice, after hearing this, drives to the motel where Colleen works and tells Colleen that the whole thing is a sham. The whole thing's a lie. The company's not real. Colleen immediately calls her dad's dad and tells him that she is coming home. But before, before she leaves, she calls Cameron and tells him that she is leaving and there's nothing he can do about it. And she said that he started crying. I can see why. You're you're done. You're yeah, done, Zoe. You're, you're, the gig is up. Colleen gets on the bus and leaves. Now, initially, when she gets home, she doesn't tell anyone about what happened to her. That includes the police or her family. Because her family probably just thinks, oh, she and her fiance she, broke up. Or she was in like a cult and she... Yeah. Yeah. She figured things out and we're back to normal. Now, the reason she didn't tell, or part of the reason she didn't tell anybody anything is because Janice asked her not to say anything in case Cameron was able to reform himself. Okay, Janice. Mm -hmm. But eventually Janice does go to the police and the police were skeptical at first, as I'm sure the pastor was also, because it's just hard to picture a girl living in a box under a bed for seven years. And I will say in that photo of them, she looked fairly healthy like she didn't mm-hmm. look emaciated they did the dad did say she was much thinner than yeah or skinnier than she was but, but not skinny enough to be under mm-hmm. a box the police then call colleen and she finally admits yes everything that janice told you is true so on august 22nd 1984 police arrest cameron hooker and during his arrest for whatever reason I guess she has this love-hate relationship with him. Janice goes back to their home and destroys any evidence that connects the crime to Colleen. But she doesn't get rid of everything, and the police find a picture that Cameron had taken of the con- the slate contract mm. with Colleen's signature. Yeah. So yep. hook, line, and yep, sinker. Done. done. Cameron was indicted on 10 counts of kidnap and rape. And the prosecution brought in the torture devices, including the box, and they just sat in the courtroom for every the jurors to look at the entire trial. Which, yeah. good on them. Yeah, there's no going. There's no not voting that he's guilty when mm-hmm. you look at that box. A psychiatrist specializing in Stockholm syndrome and just captivity cases testified that Colleen did not have a choice to leave because that's what the defense was saying. They were like. Look at this picture. She, she seemed put, happy. Yeah. She had all these chances to get away. She didn't. Janice agrees to testify against her husband, and she gets out free. Janice, yeah. uh-uh. she, she's just out there living her life. J- Janice is the one who needs to be analyzed for Stockholm syndrome. Like, also, yeah, yeah. But like, do you? Is she a victim herself, or is she also guilty? I think a little, a little bit. Uh, both, yeah. 
Now, this is the kicker. Janice revealed that her husband had captured another woman, 19-year-old Marie Elizabeth, Lord help me on that name, Span, Span Hanky, Span Hanky, Span Hanky, sure. Maybe. On January 31st, 1976, this was a year before Colleen was picked up, and that they took her back to their home, and they did everything to her that they did to Colleen, except Elizabeth was actually murdered but her body has never been found and there was not enough evidence because they didn't have a body what? to prosecute Cameron. So there's that also. Cameron, of course, says he did admit to kidnapping Colleen, but he said Colleen fell in love with him. Of course. And all the things that they did together was mutual. Of course, that's going to be his defense. Mm-hmm. Cameron is found guilty on all 10 counts. As he should have been. And he was sentenced to more than 100 years in prison. However... Cameron had a parole date initially that had him getting out possibly in 2022. Which is next year. And, uh-huh. Well, I found an article in 2015 that said he was denied parole for another 15 years. So that would be 2030. But the prisons are really trying to push people out because of COVID. Because of COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was even an online petition I saw that was, people were signing it to say, do not let this man out of prison. How this man would go free. Do I need to retell this entire story? No. Everybody go sign the petition. Yes. Let's leave him in there. That's terrifying. But Colleen, I mean, I'm sure she has just an incredible amount of PTSD, but she just seems like the nicest. Just, she she really turned this thing around, got out, is living her life now. Also, I want someone to dig into the, um, what was the girl's name that they think he may oh, have Elizabeth. murdered? Marie Elizabeth Spanaki. I don't know. S P A N N H A K E. Good span Hank. Span Hank. If you pronounce it phonetically, yeah. um, I'm sure if she like said this, what? I'm sure there could be more digging they could do. Oh yeah, just because you don't have a body doesn't mean you don't have any kind of evidence anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And Janice was probably a little bit. Messed up in the head, but not messed up enough to come up with that whole thing. Why would you make that? Yeah. It's not like, why would you make that? Why would she have made that up? Well, see what I mean? Bizarre. That's one of the like craziest. I, I would can tell you right now, I would much rather be dead with a bullet in my head than living seven years in a freaking box under somebody's waterbed while they're like doing it and having babies and yeah, no, thank you. But, but I am, I will say I am silver lining happy that she made it out i mean obviously she's going to have a lot of psychological ramifications of this and ptsd like you said but good for her for yeah getting surviving mm-hmm. yeah yeah and on that note i'm gonna get this and yeah. i'm gonna have me one more bite of on that note we need some more gray stuff we need gray some stuff? more sweet stuff in our life oh it's so good um, but that does that story where she was she had the chance to to go see her family and then came back makes me think of that whole Beauty and the Beast scene where, right? He lets her go, but then bring she comes back. Mm-hmm. It all ties together. Fairy tales very similar to true crime. Yep. Unfortunately, time that tie the two together, you get a scary tale. Yep. Well, well thanks for that. We have. We have some plans for March coming up. We're not going to tell you what they are. Hannah will want to. I'm going to. I know. I always want. Right now. I know. I always want to, but I won't. We'll keep it a secret this time. And we might have some special guests. Yes. A couple special we guests. We do have some plans for some special guests. So, uh, 
but that ends February. I think we ended on a good note. I like that one. We did. We've explained to you a little bit about classic Beauty and the Beast, the the most romanticized Disney story. We unromanticized it for you a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've looked at Cupid and Psyche, told you a little bit about where that cute little baby shooting arrows comes from. Unromanticized that a little bit for you. As we do. As we do. So, so just hang in there till March. You can follow us on Scary Tales Podcast. Yes. We'll post pictures from this case as yeah, we do we'll, all other we'll cases. We'll post the pictures we talked about today. And you know what? I haven't been doing this, but I'll start posting a picture of our snack. Wait, yes, we need to. Because the snack today, presentation, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Make it. Send us pictures. Let the us know how it goes. It. But until next time, stay safe. Stay scary. Keep Don't snacking. kidnap someone and put them under a box under a water bed. Don't yep. do it. It's do not, not recommend. Do not. Be a guest. Be a guest. La, 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 la.